At Skyview, we strive to love God and others through generous hospitality and meaningful friendship. For more information about Skyview Church, please visit us at www.skyviewchurch.ca. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 8 and uh, reading from verse 16. And uh, this is what it says. No one lights a lamp and hides it in clay jars or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Let me repeat that. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Those who have will be given more, and as for those who do not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Uh, Last week, I preached on the parable of the sower, and I suggested to all of us that the parable really is a a challenge to consider the way in which we hear the Word of God. In the parable, Jesus tells of a sower who sows quite liberally, who spreads the seed which he defines as the Word of God just about everywhere. If there's something you learn about the sower in the parable of the sower is that the sower is not selective. He is rather generous with sowing the seed. The seed is sown so vast, so uh, across different terrains that, that it only takes in one particular place. The places it doesn't take, Jesus says, uh, are the places that are not receptive to the Word of God. And, and I said to you that a lack of receptivity uh, means that you and I do not give the Word of God an opportunity to actually penetrate our hearts and our souls and our minds. In other words, there's a way in which we can listen to God's Word and not allow that Word to become personal. There's a way in which we can treat it as something that might be worth being entertained by or even listened to on a Sunday, but there's a way in which the Word, when it's compared to being seed, can only do its work when it grows deep within. And in order to grow, it must take root. In order for it to take root, there must be a fertility of our heart and soul to receive the Word. So in other words, when we come into this place, and to use this as a context, do we come with the idea that the Word of God is something that we will hear and take into us, and that ultimately it would give rise to something within us? You know, there is a subversive element to hearing the Word. We, we often think that hearing the Word is like hearing other words. There's many words that we listen to these days. We can watch TV and hear words. We can read newspapers and hear words. We can have conversation and hear words. But the Word of God, Jesus defines as being the kind of word that even though it may seem unappealing and insignificant to some, that when we heed to it, when we listen to it, when we take it into ourselves, it becomes something that literally changes us. In fact, Jesus says in this very parable that I just read to you, be careful how you listen, because if you really listen to the Word of God, it's going to challenge your life. If you really listen to it, 
You know, now I'm, not, I'm not just talking about hearing it and agreeing with it and thinking that's cool, but if you really let it, let it soak in, it is dangerous. It is dangerous because it will do some things in you. It will reveal some things in you and me. It will show us who we truly are. But anyway, lack of receptivity is one of the, the, the parable uh, of the sower's application, that there is seed that falls on ground, but before it can grow, uh, the evil comes and snatches it away. But there's also a, another seed, just as a means of recapping last week, that falls. Uh, this this problem here or the the resistance to the seed is is not initial in fact the seed falls and it starts to grow in fact i think the scripture if i remember right it says that there is a a joyous response to the word but then when life gets tough when 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 there's resistance that comes the 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 growth that is there is, is not only diminished but it is taken away these are the kinds of folks that Jesus speaks about who gladly hear, but there's no depth to their life. And so when they experience the storms of life, they turn uh, the, the, the growth of God, the work of God, the purposes of God aside. And what was good, what began good, is lost. And then Jesus speaks about a third type of soil. And and I said to you that this soil uh, is the kind of soil that, that suffers from a lack of space. Jesus says here too some growth takes place. Some growth because the word has been sown, the word has been heard, and some growth starts to come out of the soil. But the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life crowd in on it in the form of thorns that it squelches out any potential growth. And if you were to study Luke comprehensively, you will see that Jesus speaks about anxiety. He speaks about how possessions can possess you. And he also speaks about how that if you seek after the pleasures of this world, it can be destructive to who you are. And so there's a sense in which what keeps us from growing in the ways that God wants to grow, grow us is when we are people who do not have space in our life for the Word of God to take root. And in order for the Word of God to take root, you must ask yourself, I must ask myself the question, what is pushing out and crowding out the opportunity for God's Word not only to be listened to and understood, but received and practiced in such a way that it defines my values and my priorities, the decisions I make, and how I spend my time and my energy. When the Word of God is taken into us, it changes us. Be careful how you listen. However, listening is one of those things that I, I think for most of us, uh, you know, we've listened how to, you know, we, we, we've learned how to listen selectively. Um, you know, my children teach me all the time that there's a way in which you can listen and there's a way in which you can listen. I will speak to any given one of them, usually some of the younger two. And when I'm trying to discipline and bring upon them the wrath of dad uh, so that they would walk in the paths of righteousness, uh, I get that look in their face and I'll say to them, I said, did you hear what I just said to you? And you know what they would say? Yeah, you said if I do that again, I'm going to have a time out. You know, and yes... He heard me, but that doesn't mean he listened. There is a real danger, I think, 
in not recognizing how transforming God's Word can be. And this message is tough for me because i got to tell you that in my vocation, I spend a lot of my time in the Word. It is easy for me to pick up the Bible and think, you know, this will preach well. I mean, I, I, I think this is going to preach real well. I mean, I like this. This is something I want to tell to someone else. But there's a great danger in it for me that I treat the Word as something that I treat others with. When the Word of God is seen and received in the heart of an individual, first and foremost, what we become aware of is who we truly are and what God truly desires. And so when you open yourself to the Word, be prepared that it will change you. Listen, I, I don't know why you come to church. I don't know if you come to church because you feel that in some ways it's supposed to already encourage you in your already set beliefs and ways. Uh, but when we have the Word of God preached, which I try to the best of my ability, and i got to say to you very humbly, I don't always get it perfect and right, but when we try to present the Word of God in this service, if there's conviction that comes out of it, the Word of God is doing its work within us. If there's encouragement that comes out of it, the Word of God is doing its work in us. If there, if there is a sense in which the Word of God is making you feel uncomfortable, listen, the Word of God, you know what, what, what God says elsewhere? He says, it's my kindness that leads people unto repentance. You know, conviction is the gift of God. When the Word of God does its work within you and you feel a sense of discomfort with it, let me say this to you, it is for your best, it is for my best when God's Word convicts. Woe to those who lack conviction today. Woe to those who can hear and not be stirred. Woe to those who have heard it so many times that it is just the same old, same old, and we can come in and leave unchanged. Oh, let it not be so with me. Let it not be so with you. May there be a reverence and a respect for the power of the transforming Word of God in our lives again. May we not hold the Bible as something that is pure theory or academic, but may we realize that it has the power to transform lives into the purposes of God. When we read this Word and when we take it into our lives, it can transform us. And let me say this to you, I am always in need of transforming. And one of the biggest dangers in my life is that I would read the Bible and say, man, I wish she was here to hear that. They could sure do with a stiff kick theologically in the pants. Elsewhere, Jesus says this. He says, it's like when you act this way, having a plank in your eye, but somehow you think that you can see the speck of sawdust in someone else's. When the Word of God is personal, it is received it is taken in, it has the ability to transform lives. Now, I know that some of you already heard that last week, so I want to get into our text of this week. The purpose of God's Word is to be heard, but such hearing is more than listening. It is proven by the visible outcomes. There are tangible things that happens when we start to allow the Word of God to challenge us, convict us, and change us. The first thing that Jesus says happens is when the Word starts to rest in your life, when the Word starts to saturate your life, when it is more than just intellect and understanding, but it is something that is giving, giving growth to a way of life, it leads to visibility. I want you to look at verse 16 and just stay with me. If you're confused, hopefully I can explain and you won't be. Verse 16 says this, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those 
those who come in can see the light. Here's the counterintuitive nature of this verse. It makes a simple yet important point. You do not sow so that the birds would come and grab the seed. Neither do you sow so that the thorns will grow up and, and kill it. The reason you sow is so that growth would come. The reason a lamp is lit is so that it would illuminate and bring light so that others in the house can see it. Here's what Jesus is saying. The reason you receive the Word is so that the Word can make you visibly known in this world. The reason you receive the Word is so that you may make your light shine. In the Old Testament tabernacle, when you came through the narrow gate or the narrow door, you walked in, there was a brazen altar on which they they, they sacrificed an animal. The priest would move from the brazen altar to another place called the laver. In the laver was water. He would dip his hands in the water and he would wash his hands hands there. In every element of the tabernacle, Jesus is seen. He's the living water and he's also the lamb that was slain. When you move from the laver, you move forward, you would then be greeted by three different elements. On your left, you would see what was called uh, the, 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 the candelabra as we know it, but, but it, it represented the lampstands. And in these lampstands, these oil stands, there was a burning light. The light symbolized the purpose of Israel in the world. Do you know what God's people's purpose was? That they may be a light unto the nations. In fact, God said it this way, I want you to be so committed to me, so in covenant to me, that you demonstrate in the way you live your life what it means to believe and to follow and to be in a covenant relationship. When we embrace this very Judaic roots in our New Testament, Jesus teaches us that our purpose is exactly the same. We receive the Word, not not simply to enjoy the Word, not simply to be filled by the Word. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Man, I wasn't filled by that. You know, uh, we don't just receive it so that we can become fat Christians, but we receive it so that we can become a shining example of the covenant God whom we represent. In other words, when the Word of God takes root within us, it leads to visibility. I'm going to say something really controversial. I know we're all about privatization of things, but when Jesus' word takes hold in our life, I don't think being visible means picking up a placard and telling people what you hate. I think it means opening up your heart and life in such a way to see where there is need and darkness and to respond in the kindness and grace and love of God. You know, if we're going to become a visible church, what does that mean? If we're going to be light as a church, what does that mean? Here's what I think it means. Let me look at my notes in case you think I'm making it up. It means beginning by not asking how we as a church can benefit from others. Did you hear that? It begins by not asking how can we make our programs better, how can we feed ourselves more. Those things are important, but that's not where light shines best. It does not begin with asking questions of what makes us a nice church. If we are to be light, we, we, we need to look at our world and our lives and our cultures and our communities, and we need to ask ourselves questions of where is God's light and presence needed? Where can I be a blessing? Where can we be a blessing? Who needs our time and our response? What does it mean to be the light? Folks, it means to be, to be hope and good news. It, it means to go where there is need. And you know what? Many of us think that that means we have to go to Africa. And if you look at an African pastor, 
It makes sense. Look at him. He's needy. Some of you found that funny. Pardon to those of you who don't know me, but that was an attempt at humor. Um, you, know, you know when you're starting to get old with your kids, when they laugh, at times you don't want them to laugh? But I take the uh, quietness to mean you're really thinking about the point. Uh, to be light, to be visible, to be a lamp, means first and foremost that when you listen to the Word of God, you're allowing the Word of God to set the agenda of what happens next. Uh, you start to wrestle deeply about great truths, and you ask, how does this get lived out in my life? You ask yourself not questions of, how do I, uh, how do I become better and stronger? You ask yourself, how do I become more available? How do I serve more? How do I care more? How do I give more? How do I represent Jesus? Do people see the, the, the life of God in me in the way that I live my life? Where is our presence needed? When, where can we be a blessing? Who needs our time and resources? Let me say this to you. Much of our energy and our time and resources in our evangelical church in the West is spent on us. It is spent on us. How much more do we need? How much more do we need? This word that is given to us, you know, I, I was listening to, a, uh, and some of you may have heard this gentleman speak about missions in, 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 a, in a predominantly Muslim country. He said, he, he told this story, and, 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 and I'm a narrative story person. He told this story, and it just ripped at my heart. He said this, he says, in this country, as you mostly would know, that in, in, in predominantly Muslim countries, you cannot openly have the Word of God. You, can, you cannot. If you have it, in fact, you're going to be thrown in prison, and worse can be done to you. But he tells a story. He says, there's a pastor who got a hold of a Bible, and this is what they literally did. They ripped out every page of that Bible as soon as they got it, and they gave it, as many pages as they were, to every single person in their congregation. They're not allowed to meet together. They will meet in the dark of night and out in the fields and the pastor would begin his message and he always says, and I'm going to speak from Isaiah 53. Whoever has Isaiah 53, could you please read it? And the person will quote Isaiah 53 because when you got the word, when you got the page, you had to memorize it and destroy it so that you couldn't be caught with it. And this is how they would listen and hear and receive the Word of God. How many Bibles do we have in our homes? How many times do we see it up on a screen? We even put it in the bulletin, but it doesn't mean that it has both the value or the meaning and is exacting the purposes of God within us. The Word of God is not just simply to be understood. It's to be lived. Visibility it leads to visibility, but it also leads in verse 17. Are you still with me? Say amen. I was told not to do that. Old habits die hard. Um, Gary, you told me about that, so I want you to find a better phrase for me, okay? <laughs> the Word of God does not only lead to visibility, but it leads to revelation. I want you to look at verse 17. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought, brought into the open. I, I want you to go back because this, this previous parable interprets this parable. You know what happens is the seed is sown, right? So the seed falls. 
we pay attention to the receptivity of the soil to the seed, but do you know that the seed actually reveals what condition the soil is? So in other words, until the seed fell on the hard ground, did we know it was hard ground? Until the seed fell where there was thorns, did we know there were thorns? The point is this, that when the Word of God falls upon lives, it brings to the fore what is there. It reveals. When Jesus speaks here of that which is hidden will be revealed, that which is concealed will be brought unto the open, He is not speaking in a condemning way, but He's saying this, if you are disciples and you hear well, if you listen well, if you let the Word fall and, 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 and fall upon your life, you will soon start to be able to discern what the condition of lives are, beginning with yourself. You will soon start to see what are the things that vie for the priority of my life. When the Word of God starts to fall upon your life, it will bring a conviction, a loving one albeit, to your life, the reality being that it will show you where you are lacking and where space is needed. When the Word of God starts to infiltrate our life, it brings a revelation. Uh, in fact, I, I, I looked up, let me find it here, uh, the particular scripture. It's, it's found in Romans chapter 2 verse 4. And it says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing, listen to this, that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I want to ask you a question this morning. When you hear the Word of God, whether it be here or when you read it, and you are convicted by it, it's pointing out something in your life. Let's just use that example. What do you do with that conviction? What do you do with it? How do you respond if you know there's something in here that the Word of God is pointing out? What do you do with it? Do you, do you try and hide it? Do you try and deny it? Do you try and find another translation that doesn't quite say it the way that you just read it? Do you push it aside? Do you make yourself forget? Do you fill your life? Do you move on? Do you check off on your spiritual index card that I've read my Bible so Jesus must be happy and maybe the Holy Spirit and the Father? Do you just somehow allow the conviction to not serve its purpose? You know, what, you know what this parable says? This parable says that when revelation comes to your life, th this is God's kindness working in with you to bring to the fore that what is there so that you may be the kind of fertile soil and I may be the fertile soil through which the Holy Spirit can work. Christians, we learn how to respond to conviction. We learn how the Spirit works. We learn that when the Word speaks, listen, be careful how you listen. Be, because the, the Word of God may ask of us some things that are hard to let go of. The Word of God may push us in directions that we, don't, we would not prefer. It, it, let, let me put it to you this way. Christianity is not about an agenda that, 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 that I live and somehow want God to bless and bestow. It, it is about the supremacy of Him in my life. And so I am constantly asking, how do I live in His will and for His purpose? And one of the ways we know the will of God is the Word of God. I uh, met with Ricky. It's okay to tell this. Boy, Tim Hortons has good chili. I really do. Wendy's not so much. Tim Hortons, good chili. Um, I was enjoying my chili, and I don't know, you were eating something healthy. But We met, and um, Ricky didn't make it to service last week, and 
And so I didn't really, <laughs> I, when I meet with you after you missed this service, I'm not going to preach what, what I did the previous Sunday because you missed it. So just so you know. So I didn't say anything about the message. But we talked. About two minutes into our conversation, she whips out a Bible. <laughs> and my first thought was, she carries a Bible with her. How strange. <laughs> and it was about half the size of this Bible. And she put it down and she says, it's my grandma's Bible. And she says, I just got it. And she opened the page, and I think it said, to your grandma when she was 12, in 1913, 10, 1913, 1923. I was just off 10 years. And, and she showed this, and, and there were some notes and stuff in there, and, and, uh, and then I was just blessed by it, and I just listened to her, and we left the conversation, and and then she went home, and I know not a lot of you do this, but she actually went to listen to the message. Not that I told her to, by the way. <laughs> she texted me right away, and she goes, man, how can I not think that God is alive? She said, I listened to the message last week, and, and I brought my grandmother's Bible to our meeting. I just feel like God's saying something to me. Um, when my, uh, my, my dad died, and my family died in a car accident, uh, I have in my office, and I'll show it to those of you who want, an old King James version. Back in the day, there was only one, which was King James. And no, he was never a king of Israel. <laughs> and uh, my dad's Bible, too, has inscriptions and notes, highlighted parts, some places really worn. And... Um, there's something about having something so precious and so close and so meaningful passed down to us, not just in terms of the appearance of it, but in terms of the content of it. And the thing that I most remember about my grandmother is that in so many ways, when I read the Scripture, I saw her trying to live it. I can tell you that when I spoke to her, no matter how old she was, no matter how much more mature she was, the Word of God was always doing something in her. When is the last time that the Word of God has done something in you? It has shown you that maybe the reason why you struggle in this particular area, maybe the reason why you can't seem to find peace amidst the storm. Maybe it will reveal to you the very thing that you've been searching for and longing for. Could it be that this word, 2,000 years from when it was first put together, can still change lives? Not only does the word lead to revelation, but the word of God leads to a deeper understanding. I want you to look at verse 18. And I just have two pages to go. In verse 18, in the, the translation I read, I, you, you've seen it. I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation. This is what it says. It says, So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. The Word of God, when received and obeyed, also results in a blessing. 
To use the agricultural metaphor of the parable of the sower, uh, there will be an abundance of growth to those who listen. But this growth is definitely not, uh, this, this blessing is definitely not the material kind, because Jesus clearly speaks against the fact that don't think it's material. And it is not some vague spiritual blessing. Oh, Jesus is going to bless me spiritually. And we just leave it out there in the vagueness of spiritual land. In the context of the parable that precedes, the blessing is particular to the disciples in their understanding of Jesus and the kingdom. Here's what it says. is when you allow the Word of God to penetrate, to infiltrate, to start changing the, the, the transformation that Paul speaks about that comes, comes also through the renewing of our minds. We learn and understand the ways of God, the ways of Christ, and the ways of the kingdom. The way we think needs transformation. The, the Word of God helps us to redefine value it helps us to redefine priorities. It helps us to be, to be alive to what it means to be the people that God is calling out. You know, uh, throughout my life as, as a pastor, of course, one of the things that, that is incumbent with the vocation is one must learn, one must read, one must grow, you know. Uh, and, 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 and it doesn't necessarily mean if you know a lot of stuff that that makes you wise or smart. But the kind of knowledge that is given to us when the Word of God is received and we listen well is not the kind of knowledge that just makes us smarter so we're able to know that there are 66 to the Bible, books to the Bible and 27 and, 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 and this is the Gospels and these are the epistles and this is the genres and this is the context and this is the history. When, 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 when the Word of God settles in, when it, when, it, when it becomes a part of us, there's a way in which the understanding that we get is that of wisdom and discernment. The ability to look at our life the way that God wants us to. There's so much frustration when we have to make decisions and we pray out of desperation, God, show me your will. When the truth be told, it has been given. You know, um, if you're like me, at some point in your Christian walk, you've turned to the Bible and you've gone, God, I need an answer. Can I get a witness? It's about five of us. And then maybe you land on a really obscure verse. <laughs> then you go, I don't want that answer. <laughs> but... Uh, the uh, growth that is taking place, albeit slow in my own life, is teaching me that um, the consistent feeding and listening, the regular meditation and receiving, uh, the uh, approach of coming to the Word, not just for God to make my life better, but for me to have that light shine within me, teaches me how to discern His voice and teaches me how to live my life. It is not more profound than that, that the Word of God leads to a deeper understanding. But similarly, to not receive the Word is to reject insight 
into the heart and mind of Christ. And it is choosing not to grow. It is choosing to remain immature. The only way that the deeper things of God becomes known is through listening to Him. The only way that I get to know my wife more is spending time with her and listening to her. One of the ways that we spend time with God is in His Scripture. And then, finally, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Everybody being me. The Word of God, when we receive it, leads to a sense or a, leads to belonging. I want to speak to this very quickly, and I included this particular Scripture because we have the tendency to forensically remove Scripture from context and then build all kinds of theological discourses on top of it. But Jesus says in verse 19, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see Him, but they were not able to get near Him because of the crowd. And someone told him, your mothers and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, my mothers and brothers, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Well, when we take that on its own, it may seem that Jesus is being anti-family, biological family, but that's not the point. When this parable was told, there was a crowd gathering from various towns, lots of people around Jesus, lots of interest. His disciples were there. There was a whole uh, group of women who are particularly pointed out in Luke chapter 8. Did you know that? Do you know Luke shows a preference to showing that discipleship was not only a man's sport, but the women were right in there in the thick of things. But right in the context of this telling, there's a, a crowd of people, and in the crowd there are women, in the crowd there are disciples, and Jesus' family comes close, and they want to get close. And someone in the crowd says, Jesus, your biological family is here. And having just spent awful amount of time trying to explain, re-explain, and then interpret it again through another parable, what it means to be a disciple, he says this. He says, my mothers and brothers, my family, are those who hear and obey. The way that we are part of Christian community, according to this particular text, is not simply by showing up on a Sunday or becoming a member of a church. The way in which we're a part of this kingship of the believers, the family of faith, is in our willingness to listen and to do that which God has called us to do. One of the ways that we express most that we belong is in our obedience. Jesus is making a rather striking point to his teaching on true disciples. Not only do they not hide from who they are or allow the Word of God to make known the things in them, not merely are they growing in the understanding of the ways of Jesus and the kingdom, but such persons are in the truest sense brothers and sisters of Christ when they live as He did. I ask you this morning to think very, very soberly about the implications of what you have heard. I fear that hearing the Word of God can be equated to high tide. It comes in and then it goes away. And the repetitive nature of high tide means that depending on when we go, 
we can experience the joys of being in the beach or standing on sand. The repetitive natures of being in service like this means that we can come and not listen well. What does it mean for you today? Uh, what is God revealing? What is God putting his finger on? Let us pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your faithfulness and for your word. Hmm. The stark reality of the parable is that some will not respond, and that's just even when you preached and taught, people did not respond. It doesn't mean that when we witness in this world that people will, but Father, we are believers. We are the ones who've made our hearts open to you. And this morning, we want to receive what you've said to us. I pray, Lord, that we would not only be hearers, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.